Hello, and welcome to Never Would Have Guessed, the podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Bethany Frey. And I'm your other host, Carissa Brim. This is a place where we dive into the things others never would have guessed about sexual drama. Here's what we want you to know. No matter your relationship to sexual trauma, you are welcome in this conversation. And while this podcast centers around our experience, the concepts we cover may apply to other traumas as well. We are not therapists, but therapy has been game-changing for both of us. We've also seen that safe conversations with trusted people can be an anchor in the healing process. We know firsthand that this can be a heavy topic. So consider this your official invitation to own your experience of this conversation. If you get three minutes in and feel like your shoulders have become permanent earrings, just hit the pause button. Take a few deep breaths, maybe move your body a bit. Decide if today is a good day to enter this conversation and then trust your decision with no shame. At the end of every episode, we will guide you through a two-minute grounding exercise to hopefully leave you feeling light and empowered by honest conversation. Thank you so much for joining us. We are so glad you're here. Well, you guys, we are at the final episode of this season of Never Would Have Guessed. That's kind of crazy. Bethany and I really intentionally wanted to stop this podcast before the holidays. We want to be physically and mentally, emotionally present with our people, and we want you to feel free to do the same. Sometimes there are just natural rhythms that kind of invite us to close the door on one thing and open the door on another. And today in our episode, we're talking about how to know when to put your story down. Doing the hard work of getting in and healing and processing, it's great, but sometimes you just have to step out. We're going to talk about three signs that can kind of clue you in that maybe it's time to give your story a break and what that might look like. I feel like the energy that I'm bringing into this recording is when you like work really hard on something and then you have a little bit of a breather and you're like just so giddy and goofy. There's a release and excitement and accomplishment and like a job well done. Oh my gosh, we have had so many conversations behind the scenes. We've had so many conversations that others have joined us for. And here we are. We're recording the last episode of the season. The last one. Which yesterday I was crying about and today I'm just like beaming Mm. and I just feel just like such a sense of pride and excitement and I'm also really excited for what we're going to talk about today yeah so it's kind of the the energy that I'm bringing to this conversation how are you feeling I was feeling that giddiness earlier today and I think right now sitting across from you taking in okay last episode of the season I connect a lot with the pride the gratitude of what we've traversed together Mm -hmm. over this year and I know for the people listening it's been September, October, November. (laughs) But for you and I, it's been the whole year. Yeah. Yeah. I'm ready to let what we've shared, like, soak in, let them breathe, and to sit back with a quiet contentment of, okay, we said what we needed to say. We said our piece together, Mm. and we created space for each other, and we had fun along the way. And we pulled our hair out along the way (laughs) and fights along the way. (laughs) And we healed each other along the way. I think doing this together has been a really profound experience for me. So just taking that in. Yeah, that's why I'm not. You know, in having these conversations with you and being in these different parts of our story that brought up things I'm like oh my gosh I never thought of that or hearing someone else's experience kind of holding up a mirror to parts of my own that I didn't even realize were there it has been intense on an emotional level yeah you hold it all there's a limit to how much we can dive into these conversations in a certain amount of time this isn't a podcast about pop culture where we can hop in every week and just record and move on with our lives these are like really deep truths that we hold and we're actively processing alongside the listener 
what came to me when you were sharing that experience, first of all, I connect with it so much. And second of all, when you were comparing, oh yeah, we're not just getting together and having fun and talking about pop culture, although we do that. Yes. <laughs> right. together, processing the latest Taylor Swift album. <laughs> but I think what is so honest about what you said is this has cost us something. Mm. And that's not to say, oh, this cost us something. It's to say this is precious to us and this is it has cost us something and therefore it holds so much value. Yeah. From the very beginning, what we said we wanted to do was to share our stories as two survivors, what we have learned along the way, to share things that we wish we could have heard from other survivors. Yes. And then at the same time to hold the piece of vulnerability and honesty without self-sabotage. Is that too intense to say? (laughs) It's been amazing, but also no one can be in the hard parts of their story all the time. Listener, you are also living this reality. Sometimes you need to be in your story and sometimes it's good to like dive into the details and process things. And then sometimes you need to get out of it for a little bit. I want to go back to that subtle permission you just gave. You don't always have to be in your story. You can take a break. It's okay. Something you said earlier today that I just thought was so poignant is you don't have to be in your story for the healing to continue. In fact, I would even say it's in the taking a break. It's in the stepping back for a moment, giving yourself some breathing room that a lot of the healing takes place. Yes. Just from a body standpoint, when you can get your nervous system calmed down, yeah, there's a lot of things that your brain and your body is able to process. There is such value in whatever amount of healing you can step into, and there is such healing in stepping out. But, you know, we live in a society where we value productivity and the pushing through, the stepping in, the continuing on, like dragging something out. Yes. Self-abandonment is a sign of value and worthiness. And I think it's really powerful to step in and say, it's also just as important to stop and to let things download and to let the sand that you've collected of healing trickle through and level out and find the places where it needs to settle into so that you can continue to move freely. Yeah. So before we go any further, what do we mean by take a break? As someone who has struggled with black and white thinking, my brain immediately goes to, okay, so I quit therapy. I stopped talking about it. Just this like full throttle or car is turned off. Yeah. So how are we going to, how are we defining that for the purpose of this episode? Yeah, I totally identify with that black and white thinking. But if we were to look at the idea of being in your story and like being in the healing process, if we were to envision that as a spectrum. There's different things that we can tweak. There's lots to adjust. And before we can start making adjustments, we have to get clear on what is it that we actually need a break from and what is it that we need that we're not getting right now? Because those are like the tension points. Yeah. That could look like going from being in a therapist's office every week to every other week. It could look like being more intentional about incorporating self-care after a therapy appointment. It could look like a break from certain scenarios, certain people, or making sure to incorporate the things that you've been learning in therapy. Spending maybe less time, we were joking about this earlier, maybe spending less time talking to your friends about what you're processing in therapy and more time journaling to yourself. And there's a lot of ways that we can reevaluate where we're at and make a new path moving forward. Yeah, I love that practical advice. And it reminds me of, gosh, I think this was maybe the second or third episode where you gave us this mental picture of a soundboard. Yeah. When you said tweak, I thought of this. Your healing journey is not an on or off switch. 
Yes. It has lots of different knobs and buttons that you can push for your benefit. You get to choose, oh, we're going to turn the volume up on this one for right now. I think I'm going to take a break from that for right now, Mm -hmm. which granted, like saying that is easier than it sounds because that requires stepping back. It requires some self-reflection and time, which when you are just in the middle of your stuff Mm. and feeling like having this realization of I need a break. Yeah. Sometimes it's hard to understand why. So I just want to validate that piece. But I just love that permission that you're talking about is, hey, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. You can just scale back a little bit. Yeah. For me, the driver for I have to be in my story, I have to heal was a twofold approach, definitely driven by shame. But one, kind of as an apology to the people I was in relationship with, I'll make myself better. I'll do better. And then two, trying to prove to myself, like, I can become whole. Mm. And so the very act of rest and the very act of giving yourself a break is so humanizing. What a courageous act of self-love to say, you know what? There are a lot of things about me Mm. that at some point I would love to release. (laughs) And today, I just need to take it now. Gosh, I loved what you said about like part of our drive behind healing being to prove to the people around us that we're trying to be, quote, better. Yeah. Gosh, I resonate with that so much because it does feel like in the context of our American cultures that if there's not a visible output on the healing journey, we can feel like it communicates that healing isn't a priority for us. Yeah. And there's maybe a fear that exists there. If others see that healing isn't a priority for me, there will be less grace for me. There will be less understanding, less compassion, less tolerance. And so I have to show that I'm doing something to move forward. But I can't imagine a lot of people in my life ever saying, yeah, that's how I think. That's one of those yeah. narratives yeah. that kind of um, gets brought up internally and then we never say it out loud and so then we just believe that it's true. Yeah. It's again, it's that ticket to belonging. Yeah which is a theme that comes up for us in so many conversations, I think because it's at the heart of so many things. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we have talked about how just as much healing can happen in the resting and in the taking a break, taking a breather, as in the boots on the ground work. Yeah. And we've defined what it can look like to take a break. What I'm always a little bit afraid of is how do you know when it's time to take a break and you're not just like running away from something that is hard asking Mm, for a friend i've never had that experience before so (laughs) can't really at all no i it's such a valid question because i think we were talking about the drivers earlier and that fear is another driver of what if i don't what if i just don't have what it takes to get through this yeah Because I want to point out, too, there is this element of we can do hard things and there's good things on the other side of hard things. Yeah. So if we just keep going, then we'll see the benefit. And if we quit now, then we'll never see what all this hard work will amount to. Yeah. Just push through. Just push through the finish line. And when you're so used to surviving, it's a pretty easy narrative to take on because you're used to doing that. Totally. Yeah. 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 And so... I think it's important when we talk about how do we know, it's like, how do we know when our efforts are no longer moving us in a direction that is healing us and they are instead Mm. detracting from our healing? Mm. That's such a good clarification. Yeah. Yeah. So what are the signs? What are the flags we can look for (laughs) to help us assess? Is this helping me? Yeah. Or is this taking for me right now? Yes. I think the first one that comes to mind for me for sure is 
seasonal circumstantial things. I live in a four season state and have always been somebody because I'm just such a nature nut. I'm driven by the seasons anyway. I have noticed there are certain times of year where I find myself with more energy Mm. to lean into those deep places. Also, there are certain times a year where I know in the depth of winter, in the middle of January, might not be the time for me personally (laughs) to dive into the next layer of my story. Now, if I feel particularly led, if in my inner knowing, like I feel, a, oh, it's time. And in the quiet, something is being birthed in me. Mm. Then, yes, I will lean into that. But I think there's such wisdom in nature in, in the dead of winter in January. The trees don't have leaves. The yeah. grass is dormant. The sky is pretty quiet. Everything is resting and mm. saving its energy. We are part of nature as beings, as humans. And so I just think there's so much natural wisdom, pun intended, to be had from watching the seasons and watching the rhythms of Mm. other living things on the planet. And then the second part that I think goes with that is circumstantially. Yeah. And sometimes this is in your control and sometimes it's out of your control. It can be anything from a family member gets really sick. You have to put everything on hold and show up for them or somebody you love is in crisis or another crisis shows up in your own life that you go, okay, I need to be present for this and I need to save my reserves and my energy for this. And so to your point earlier of tweaking, it might not be, oh, I need to stop going to therapy. I need to stop diving in. Maybe you take those resources that you've used to dive into your story and to unpack those things. And maybe you start applying them to how can I show up in a healthy and grounded way with circumstantially, what is the priority for right now? Gosh, that's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's a natural allocation of resources that happens when you heal, right? Mm -hmm. Like it takes energy and opening up wounds, it's inconvenient and it changes your capacity. Yeah. And so when you have something that is circumstantially or seasonally changing your capacity, it's not always the kindest thing to expect the well to have the same amount of resources in it for you to just keep on at your previous pace. Yeah. Like, okay, so we're recording this in November. We've recently had daylight savings time switch. Mm-hmm. So it's darker earlier. That affects us. I live in Colorado. So not only is it darker, but it's colder. And so my summer and fall rhythms of I can go outside whenever I want because Mm. it's warm enough and there's light. Even in the last couple of weeks, I've realized, oh, my self-care and my coping mechanisms, there is this underlying unease because it's not easy to just bake that into my day. Now there's an invitation to find new things. I love that picture you gave us of the well Mm. and not always expecting it to be completely full and acknowledging we're, we are people affected by our circumstances and that doesn't make us weak. That makes us human. Yeah. You've just described what it looks like when you don't have access to the same things that are life-giving. There's also another side of this coin where you might have greater access to the things that are very much not life-giving. <laughs> you know, we're coming up on the holidays. Maybe that is a historically very stressful time for you because you are expected to be around certain people that are very difficult to be around. Maybe yeah. you're expected to interact in ways that feel really challenging to you. And so if you want to be able to approach those people, those circumstances, those places in a position of groundedness, and centeredness sometimes that means you can't also be simultaneously like digging into really hard things in your internal life yeah sometimes you need to put up a little bit of an armor yeah if you think of your energy your allocation of resources as a pie Hmm. that pie is always the same size you get to choose what percentage what slice of Hmm. different things 
is going to be allotted. And I think what we can get stuck in is this mentality of my pie should be the bread and the fish that just keep multiplying. (laughs) And come up on Christmas, like, put it on my tab, slap it on, I'm fine. You are divine, but you are not the divine. So you are not expected to be infinite. Get this girl on stage. Let's go. (laughs) Did I just start preaching? Yeah, and I'm like here for it. Sign me up. (laughs) So we've hinted at the second sign that you're ready to take a break from your story. When you're knee deep in your story and seasonally it's a bad time. And circumstantially, it's really hard. What happens when that's the reality that you're dealing with? Yeah, I think the second sign for me when I know that it's ready to take a break is that it all starts to feel unmanageable. Yeah. I start to look at my life in this generic category of everything all of a sudden feels unmanageable to me. Yeah. This happened for me this summer. Uh, I had taken a break from my medication. It was right after what was supposed to be the twins due dates that I lost. And we were just in the thick of content writing and editing. And we had been at it for six months. And there were other things going on, like with my own kids and family members and financially. It just, it all started to feel like a big dumpster fire. It was just like, this all feels unmanageable. I remember saying to my therapist, I'm starting to realize I'm not doing great. Like, I'm really not doing great. I talked to a couple of trusted friends. I was like, hey, so I am waking up to this reality. Like, I feel, I feel like I've lost my rudder at Mm -hmm. this moment. Like, I'm, I'm not feeling grounded. I'm having a hard time tapping into my truth. I feel overstimulated. I feel overwhelmed. Like it all just feels like a lot. Yeah. So what helped me first was using the resources that I have Mm -hmm. at my fingertips, my therapist and people close to me that I trust, sharing with them where I was at and then slowly assessing which parts are too much, which parts do I have the choice to put on pause? Mm -hmm. Because I think that's an important part of the conversation too. Like what do I need in this moment, I needed to step back for a couple weeks and take a break from diving into the depths of my story through content. Yeah. Two things really stand out to me in what you just shared. And the first is when things feel unmanageable, sometimes that's not always an invitation to try harder. That's so good. And what is interesting is the same thing that can launch us into being really intentional about our healing is the same thing that can offer an invitation for us to come up for air. So when things feel really unmanageable, sometimes we dive into healing, right? If we're not in therapy and things start to feel unmanageable, sometimes that's when we start therapy Mm. and start getting into what is the root of this? Why does this feel unmanageable? But also sometimes if we're already in it and things are feeling unmanageable, that's an invitation to come up. (laughs) And what I loved in what you shared, which thank you so much for sharing just the reality of what the summer looked like for you. You said you talked to your therapist and you talked to trusted friends to say, hey, this is the reality of the situation. I think that's such a great reminder that you don't have to make these decisions on your own. Yeah. Sometimes it's really good to source people who you trust who get what you're dealing with to be the lookout tower to say, yeah, you need to come up. Or maybe this is what needs to scale back. Because sometimes when you're in it, you just can't tell. And that's why it's hard. That's why it feels unmanageable. Because Mm -hmm. your ability to sort through urgent and necessary, like it's just very convoluted. Yeah. It's helpful to to have a healing team, as you always remind us. Yeah. Healing also looks like resourcing yourself. Healing also looks like giving somebody else permission to guide you in rest in resourcing, in what you need. You said that so well. Something that consistently feels frustrating (laughs) to me about healing from trauma is that life doesn't press pause just because you're going through it or just because you're like trying to get back into it to heal from it. Yeah. Oftentimes, traumas double up. (laughs) You just offered to us the 
reality that in the middle of talking about and creating content about sexual trauma, you're also simultaneously processing a miscarriage and grief. Yeah. There have been times where the parts of my story that have to do with my sexual trauma bump into other traumas that were simultaneously happening. You know, there was a certain point where I was ready circumstantially, seasonally, personally to dive into my sexual trauma. And my husband, he has been on a journey with his alcohol use. And in sharing this part of my husband Gage's story, I just want to clarify that we have had lots of conversations about vulnerability and what he feels comfortable with others knowing and talking about. And I want to be clear that I'm not just like really like throwing his story out there. But I think that in order to be resourced to handle that, I almost had to compartmentalize the sexual trauma part of my story. Like I almost had to shut that door and pretend like it didn't exist because it bumped into these other traumas that were actively being poked and prodded in real time. Compartmentalization can sometimes get a bad rap because it's we're trying not to be fragmented, right? We're trying to be whole integrated people who can exist with the fullness of our story, but the reality of it is the fullness of our story sometimes can't all be spread out on the kitchen table. Sometimes you have to put some things in drawers and order for other parts to get sorted yeah. and not just break you. Yeah. Do you feel like in that moment when you realized, okay, I need to support my husband, was that a clear intentional decision or do you think it more happened just naturally? Well, when it comes to walking alongside someone with your own pain, with their own pain, sometimes you feel like you're just along for the ride and just being like flipped around and like you're just responding in real time. So I think to answer your question, sometimes it's just like an instinct where, okay, this is happening. I don't really have a choice in the matter. So I just need to like buckle down and deal with this. Naturally, your body shields you (laughs) from some of the things that maybe at one point you're more interested or curious about diving into. And then there was a season when he was in rehab that I had to make a really conscious choice of what do I need for me while he's away and healing? And also, what does my relationship need from me? What type of healing would be really beneficial that is impacting the dynamic at play? Yeah. I just want to honor your vulnerability in sharing that story. And like to you, Anne, to Gage, because I know it's his vulnerability with his story too it's so very much relatable and Mm -hmm. very much part of being a person and loving another person part of the gold in there for me is just naming the nuance that exists in our healing journey these are the things that make it tricky these are the times where circumstances and difficulty and complication threatens us with it's never going to be your turn yeah This is just too much. The kids are going through too much. My husband's, my job is just too stressful right now. There are these messages that can threaten us with not you. It's not your turn. Yeah. What I think is so crucial to anyone's healing journey is working the muscles to communicate what's needed and what's happening. To communicate about passing the ball of healing back and forth. Saying, I need to go heal in this way. Are you good with this? In EMDR, we're going to dive into this thing that feels really tricky for me. I don't really know what that's going to look like for me, but I'm not going to be at my best. Like, where are you at? Is that okay for me to do that in this space right now? Yeah. And I just think it's really helpful. That kind of diffuses the feeling of unmanageability and I'll never have my turn when you can start to have those honest conversations. Yeah, that's such a beautiful rhythm that requires intentionality, requires self-awareness. And a trust in your relationship, too, that if I come to you and say, here's my need, that you're going to go, okay, I see that. It's such a beautiful thing. So we've talked about what are the signs that we know it's time to take a break. We've talked about seasonal things that come up, circumstantial things that come up. We just talked a lot about when things start to feel unmanageable. What would you add to this conversation? I think a third sign that you're ready to take a break from your story, it's almost like the opposite side of the it feels unmanageable piece. And that is you're kind of checked out. 
of your healing. I'm jokingly saying this, but also it's true. When you've just been in it for so long, you can almost dissociate from your healing where you're not able to show up with your full self. You're tapped out. You're numbing out. You're not as available for the deep diving or the self-examination that is sometimes required. That's just a really good sign that your body's maxed out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I hope I don't try and drive this point home too often in our conversations. But the amount of push through that I have done caused some re-traumatization along the way. Yeah. I just get this picture of our bodies and our nervous systems going, hey, I'm full. Yeah. I think an important distinction here is... When we talk about taking a break from healing, I think what we are doing in that negative space that's created mm. from the break is resourcing yourself. Yeah. I can definitely picture moments in my life where I've been tapped out and checked out. A good tangible way this can show up for me a lot is I will stop doing detox baths and reading and I'll do way more of like just watching Netflix until I can't keep my eyes open anymore. Like those kinds of things. It's just a sign. I need to be resourced a little bit more. So what does that look like? Is it that I need some levity in my life? I need to schedule some time with the people who bring lightness to my life and who see me? Is it that my physical body needs some more support? Is it that I need to say no to some things? What is it that's causing me to check out? Like, how do you know when you've checked out. Yeah, I really identify with what you described. And I think you've highlighted really well the piece of the at home in real life checking out of going numb, not being as well resourced as you could be. And sometimes I have experienced a checkout in therapy where I'm just there because I said I would be. But also, I don't necessarily feel like I'm getting a whole lot out of it. I'm not feeling like I'm able to put a lot more into it. I need to just step out of it. Let the things that I have come to learn about myself, the new tools that I have, let myself just try them out. (laughs) At a certain point, it feels helpful to take a break from the processing to start the practicing. That's so interesting that you just described checking out that way. It's so true to who I know you to be. (laughs) so reliable. If I say I'm going to show up, I show up. Yeah. Whether or not I can emotionally and mentally Mm. show up to this therapy session. But I said I was going to be here. I'm going to show up versus I'm thinking about my own context. And my thought when you're sharing that was like, you wouldn't just cancel last minute. My version of checking out would be like, I can't see you next week. (laughs) So it's just so interesting. I love that you answered it that way because it is it's oh, it doesn't look a specific way for all of us. Mm -hmm. We have our own flavors of what it looks like when you're just like, I'm done. I am maxed. Yes. Trauma has its way of expressing itself in different ways, especially when muddled up with our personality. Yeah. Yeah. Oftentimes I'm going through the motions because I haven't created the space for me to reevaluate and kind of hop up to bird's eye view to be like, am I good? Am I like feeling like this is beneficial for me? is this what I need right now? Yeah. Because I don't like quitting things. If there's healing available, I want it. So if I know that therapy is an option, shoot, I'm going to be there. I'm going to do that because I want to get better. And that also reveals the belief that if I stop this for a season, I can't just pick it back up when I'm ready. (laughs) You know, like, and that's just not true. Some seasons, You can step out of therapy and then when you feel that itch and that inkling, that inner knowing of, oh man, there's some new things coming up that I don't feel resourced to handle. Mm-hmm. I think it's time to get back in on that, to step back in. That doesn't mean you were wrong because you thought that you didn't need to go anymore. Yeah. And it yeah. doesn't mean that you did do it right on your own. Mm-hmm. Healing's not linear. Things mm-hmm. pop up in different mm-hmm. seasons in different ways. And yeah, sometimes we have to give ourselves space for those new things to pop up. Yeah. What was true six months ago Mm. was true six months ago. And it doesn't negate what is true today and what you need today. What I was thinking about as you were describing that is similarly to talking about your relationship with Gage of kind of passing the ball and building that trust and like a rhythm of 
healing and supporting the other's healing, you can develop that with yourself. Yes. I'm flashing back right now to 21-year-old Bethany who had like finished a year and a half of this intensive therapy. And the first time I had really dived into my story thinking, I've done it. (laughs) It's like, what hard work, sweet, tender soul. When I called my therapist, this must have been maybe 10 months to a year later and just such a hard time. And I had waited to call her until I was just desperate because I almost Mm -hmm. felt like it was like your, your sessions didn't work. It it felt like I I was just like, hi, I'm, I thought I had an A plus and I'm your student who flunked. Hi, it's me. I'm the problem. It's me. It's me. (laughs) Remember her saying, hey, you don't have to wait this long to call me. And just saying it's really normal to have rhythms and things come up in layers. And at that point, I remember honestly being irritated with her because I was like, that's not encouraging. (laughs) I don't want to do that again. But what happens is as you go through these rhythms of healing in your life, first of all, some are long and heavy and like big lifts and some are shorter and sweet. And then you go. Oh, okay. This is gonna this is gonna carry me through to the next season. Yeah, and yeah. you start to build up that muscle and that trust of diving in and then rest and resource and dive in and rest and resource. And it doesn't have to look the same every time. And the more that you do that, the more comfortable it becomes to say, Oh, okay. I think mm-hmm. I'm ready to dive in. Or to one day go, you know what? I need to take a break. I need to let this breathe a little bit. Trusting that instinct. Yes. Gosh, trusting that instinct. And then just you naming dive in, rest and resource. I'm like, oh, hello. What a helpful little mantra. Yeah. It feels very helpful to even know that can be a rhythm. Yeah. You know, and if you were to look at an exercise routine, (laughs) me speaking as the fitness guru that I am most certainly not but speaking to my previous athletic days I mean that's what you do right like you push really hard you rest and recover and then resource yourself with stretching nutrients whatever and then get back at it yeah in different goals that looks different but I think it's just helpful to name and just say okay I have been in a season of diving in and now I'm going to rest yeah So we've talked a lot about what do we mean by taking a break? How do we know it's time to take a break? Let's say one or both of us is sitting here or the listener is going, okay, I've named this. It's time to take Mm -hmm. a break. Then now what? How (laughs) do we, what does it look like to be a person (laughs) who takes a break while still being a person in your life? (laughs) Yeah. Does that make sense? <laughs> it does. It makes so much sense because it's almost like you emerge from this cave and you're like, hey guys, anyways, what's everyone up to out here? I can feel a little disorienting. One of the core tenets of what I write about and what I care about can be summarized in my little tagline, which is live life to the brim. And yes, that's a great pun because I married into a fantastic last name, but also I just like really believe in that term of living life to the brim, testing out the expansive boundaries that are available for us. I do this in the hard things. When things are hard, I go freaking spelunking. And I'm like, all right, let's be honest about this. Let's dive in. Let's heal. I would like to verify. Yeah. Yeah. I go all the way in. Yeah, you do. And then the other side of that balance that I have a natural propensity towards, but also fight really hard to keep as a tenant in my life. The other side of that is I also really deeply experience joy. And I deeply experience excitement and the flourishing of life. I think we talked in episode one about the tension that that can sometimes hold as a survivor. If I can just drive home a point, it is that it is not insincere to celebrate life if you also hold hard things. And celebrating life does not diminish the hard things that you have experienced. They cohabitate. 
so when it comes to like, okay, how do I be a person again? To me, it looks like giving myself freedom to be the full person that I am, where sometimes I am laughing so hard, I can't even breathe and I'm being stupid and goofy and dancing like an idiot and not holding myself to this expectation of because I've experienced these hard things, I have to be downtrodden. To me, that wouldn't be an authentic way to maneuver through this life. I just find restoration and healing in holding the simultaneous good and bad and letting them mingle and letting them separate and just standing confidently in all of those parts. I love that so much. What you just described is so empowering. You said this word once. I think you said it a couple of times, the word expansive. When I picture you living into your fullness, that expansiveness is, it's intoxicating. It is like, I get swept up in it, Mm. hearing you talk about it. Even just as a person, Mm. we're given a box and we're told, step in. The crazy part is we actually get to step out The hardest part is realizing that you're in a box. What's so powerful about what you described is just, I get this picture of your arms just going out wide, like as Mm. wide as they can. And with that wide wingspan in one hand, holding the grief, holding the tension where you have been. And with the other hand saying, and this is not gonna fucking kill me. There's so much strength in joy. We don't give that credit. There's Mm -hmm. so much just wild strength in you laughing so hard that your abs hurt and dancing like a fool. There's so much vulnerability and so much strength in that. Mm -hmm. I have seen you embody that as a friend and I'm thankful that you embody that. And I'm so thankful that you offer that to us as people who know you. Well, my heart feels the fullest. (laughs) Yeah. So those are the things that I kind of grab onto when I come up for air from my story. Mm -hmm. I grab onto the joy. I grab onto the diversity of who I am and the diversity of who others are. What does it look like for you to be a human person again after deep diving your healing? Yeah. For me, it's the rest and the rituals and creativity. A sign for me that I have just been in it and I'm coming back up for air is when my creativity comes back. Yeah. I want to play with watercolor again. I start baking again. I come up with new ideas of things that would be fun and relaxing and peaceful in my life. Bethany, what I love about you and something that you teach us so well is this consistency with the things that you have found that are good and healing for you. Sometimes seeing someone else's pillars can help us trust our own pillars. So seeing you just be so consistent and authentic in saying, it's the seasons, it's nature, it's my rituals, it's baking. It reminds me how accessible these things are once you find it, yeah, it's okay to trust it. Yeah. Thanks for speaking that back. For the longest time, I thought my sole purpose on this planet was to use what I had been through to help other people. Yeah. Keyword being use. You know, layered in with lots of different stuff, upbringing and religious filter, all of that. And at a certain point over time, I realized... What if my purpose in life is just to be? What if it actually is as simple as that? That I get to delight in the things that spark joy, that spark creativity for me, and let that overflow into the people I love. I've said this before, like, if all I ever do is just cause more people to bake bread, I'm like, done. Legacy check. Yeah. It was a threatening idea to me at first. Really? Yeah. To be honest, I don't remember how it started. 
that it took a couple years to formulate, but this idea that what if you are here to take delight in life and to take delight in the divine and to be delighted in? What if that's possible? And I think it threatened me because if that's the invitation, then how do I marry my upbringing and how I have survived in this life? It just was like, that is a whole other world. Don't hit me with that fairy tale bullcrap. Sure. Yeah, but that's not how life actually works. Just very, I think I felt very defensive to that idea. Yeah. yeah. Again, that, well, wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. If I could add one thing to this world, it would just be helping more people find their delight. You know why helping others find their delight is so much more than just helping people find their delight? (laughs) When you were describing your upbringing, you described coming from such a chaotic system and situation. And so the idea that these delights could be simple felt irritating, right? Like you, you called it fairy tale bullshit, right? And I think that is such a relatable feeling because when you have had a season of getting caught up in the chaos of it all, stepping out of that into something simple feels so uncomfortable because yeah. that can't be all. That can't be it. Yeah, It's got to be more haphazard mm-hmm. than this. Mm-hmm. But what you're doing by sinking your teeth into these simple delights is you are telling yourself over and over again that you don't deserve chaos and that you do deserve the simplicity and the joy that exists without you wrangling it into its place. Yeah. And that's why your sincerity in wanting to help people find their delight is such a valiant longing because you're what you're basically saying is I want people to see that they deserve more than the insanity that they've come to believe they're worthy of. Yeah. Fair enough. You are allowed to just be. Yeah. Yeah. This is, as we said at the beginning, the final episode of the season. I just want to take this moment. I might get a little emotional because this has meant so much to me. I am just full to the brim. With gratitude for you and these conversations and this space and this thing that we have created and this little community that has joined us. It's just all pretty surreal. I can't imagine what it would have been like going to these places mm-hmm. with anybody else. I'm thankful for just all the sacredness we've held together and the tension that we've held together and the learning that has taken place. So I just love you. I'm glad we got to do this together. Mm. And listener, thank you so much for trusting us to join you in these spaces. It really has been an honor to come alongside you as we all pursue healing. So even though this is the end of this season, We want to continue to offer our support to you, and that can look like a number of different things. So Bethany has some very exciting things coming up in the new year, and I have a bundle of audio affirmations for the holidays. Uh, Those will be available for download later this week, and I'm super excited about them. If you want to find out more about any of these offers or other resources that we've been brainstorming as they become available, just sign up at carissabrim.com slash tellmemore and at bethanyfray.com. As always, we sincerely love hearing from you guys. So we plan to keep these conversations open and we'll be doing so on Instagram where we hope you'll join us. Friend, thank you so much again for being here. Let's go ahead and conclude our time together with one last grounding exercise. For today's grounding exercise, we're going to focus on the sense of touch. Now, we call these exercises grounding exercises because they're meant to tether us to the present, to the literal ground beneath our feet in this very moment. So let's take a moment 
to physically do that. Bring your attention to your feet. Become aware of the feeling in your toes. When you wiggle them around, what does the surface beneath your feet feel like? Are you wearing cozy socks? Are your shoes rough beneath your toes? The ground cold or maybe delightfully warm? Gently press the ball of your feet against the ground, lifting your heels. Kind of bounce your feet for a second. Now put your heels back on the ground and lift your toes. Feel the calf stretch and become aware of the pressure between your heel and the ground. Wiggle your toes just a few more times and gently place your feet firmly on the ground. If you can, take a moment to look at your feet, to pay attention to the ground. Notice the details beneath your feet. And now, return your attention to your surroundings, taking a deep breath in and a deep breath out. Our hope in ending each episode with a grounding exercise was that you would come to see that there are so many different ways to help you feel grounded. As you go about your day, We hope you feel empowered to use any of these grounding exercises or to even get creative with coming up with your own. The goal is to leave you feeling empowered and safe as you go about your day. If you enjoyed this conversation today, please feel free to share it and rate, review, and subscribe wherever it is that you listen. You can find us on Instagram at Bethany underscore Frey and at Carissa Brim or online at neverwouldhaveguessed.com. You can also help sustain the podcast by becoming one of our Patreon subscribers. Find us at patreon.com slash neverwouldhaveguessedpodcast. All of this really does make a gigantic difference for us in helping these conversations make their way to others who need them too. Friends, Thank you so much for listening. As you go out into the rest of your day, may you feel empowered to navigate the things others never would have guessed about you and to make room for others doing the same.